0: hit it across the other side. My soul. this morning. Never gives up on us. Good to see you. Thank you for coming out. Let's all stand together. This is the day that he's made where we'll rejoice and be glad. Brother Ken, come lead us this morning.
1: Amen. While we're standing, grab you a blue song book. Hymn number 56 this morning when we all get to heaven. We'll do the first, second, and last verse. Hymn number 56 this morning.
0: Looking forward to that. Say amen. Thank you for singing that, Brother Ken. That was my mom's favorite hymn. I appreciate you singing that this morning. One quick request. I know there were lots of shared downstairs in my class, but I want to give you this one I put out last night about Brother Wayne Cozart. Uh, He'll be coming home shortly uh, and going to see his doctor for the heart issues. So please pray for Brother Wayne. Uh, They're confident he did not have a heart attack, so we're praising the Lord for that, but lift him up in prayer if you would pray for services today uh, i i gotta be honest i was feasting all week on what god did last sunday uh, but today's a new day and we need fresh oil this morning so you please join us today josh you lead us to the throne of grace uh, if you would let's pray together joshua
1: Darryl and father god we just come to you this morning lord we want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning god lord we don't take it for granted Lord, I just pray that You'll be with the services today, God. I pray that You'll show up as You did last week, Lord. I pray that You'll just let Your presence be known this morning, God. I pray that You'll fill our hearts with You, Lord. Lord, I pray that You'll just touch each and every heart that's here this morning, God. I pray that You'll uh, open our hearts to be receptive of what You've got for us this morning, God. Lord, I pray that as we the choir sings, Lord, I pray that You'll prepare our hearts for the Word. Lord, I pray that You'll be with Brother Greg as he brings a message to us this morning, God. Lord, I pray that we will walk out those doors different than what we came in this morning. Lord, I just thank you so much for what you do. Lord, I thank you for your many blessings. In Christ's name I pray.
0: Amen. And would you be seated this morning. I still believe America is the greatest country on earth. And I believe our God is the God of gods, King of kings, and Lord of lords. And if you have to uh, share with me this morning, you'd say you've been blessed. Amen. You listen to the choir singing. Amen. Blessed you this week? Amen. Amen. Our choir learned this a couple of weeks ago, and I have been singing it ever since. He is my high tower, my rock on which I stand. You listen as the choir sings, high towers.
2: Without him, I could not see. He is closer than a brother above. Him-
0: An ever-present help in a time of need. Aren't you glad you're saved this morning? Amen, church. Uh, thank you for being here. Full house today. Good to see you in God's house. Thank you for coming. Lots of announcements that I need to go through with you. Uh, first of all, choir practice is on September the 8th. We've got Christmas drama meetings this evening. Can you believe that? I feel like I need to go wash my mouth out with soap when I say that. Uh, uh, so the leadership of the Christmas drama, you're meeting tonight for everybody else Let me put this on your radar. I need you to sign up if you're going to help us this year. Uh, We have, I have to tell you, it's a highlight of the year. It's a lot of work. A lot of work, but man, do we have a good time, and it is pretty spectacular. So, uh, I want you to sign up if you're going to help us. We have sign-up sheets out in the vestibule, and then also here in our postal area as well. So, please help us out with that if you would. Those of you that are going on our women's mountain retreat, uh, leaving Thursday, uh, uh, we will be leaving here at 9 a.m., so please be ready at 9 a.m., ready to go. And then... um, If you are thinking about going to the Carolina Youth Rally on Saturday, uh, CT has changed the location of that. Uh, They have actually outgrown the church they were going to be in, which was Trinity Baptist, and now they're going to be down at Victory Baptist in North Augusta, Georgia. That adds an extra hour of driving time. So here's what I'm going to do. If you're thinking that you're going to go with this, this is for teenagers and above, teens, young adults, adults. If you will meet me right over here after church this morning, want to talk to you about a few things. So, again, if you're thinking you're going to go to Carolina Youth Rally this Saturday, I'll talk to you about leave time and all that stuff. Over here, I want to see everybody that's planning on going or thinking of going. So, please help us out with that. And then, finally, this will be the last time I include this, Ms. Leanne. Uh, If you're thinking of going to Teen Conference next year, whether you're a teen, young adult, adult, sign up by today if you would. I'm excited by next Sunday's uh, what we're kicking off. Next Sunday is our end of summer jubilee. Uh, Brother Heath Williams uh, will be preaching next Sunday morning. The Joyful Sounds will be singing next Sunday morning. We will not have Sunday school. They'll be setting up during Sunday school. So we will kick off at 1045 for our end of summer jubilee. Uh, And then uh, on uh, uh, Monday night, beginning at 7 o'clock, we'll have Brother C.T. Townsend will be preaching. Uh, and then we will have, of course, Ms. Kyla Rowland and Deliverance. They will be singing, and we're excited about that. So you please mark your calendars and be here if at all possible. Sunday, uh, August the 31st, beginning at 5 o'clock for all the teachers, children's church workers, junior church workers. And I have not been including this, and this is my fault. I want to include this nursery workers. If you help out. Saturday, what did I say? Sunday. No, Saturday. Saturday, August the 31st. Thank you. I will double, no I won't, (laughs) Sunday, August the 31st, Saturday, August the 31st, Uh, we will uh, have our teachers celebration, again, that includes nursery workers, we got some gifts for you, Uh, we'll cook you a meal, have a good activity to share with you our vision for the coming year, please keep that in mind if you would. Speaking of teachers, this is not in your bulletin, uh, but I want to uh, put this on everyone's radar. On Sunday, Saturday—excuse me—on September the twenty-first, that's a Saturday, uh, at ten o'clock, uh, we will once again, for any that are interested, uh, have the opportunity for first aid and CPR training down at Axton Life Saving Crew. Leaving the church at nine fifteen, uh, and you will need to sign up by Sunday, September the fifteenth. Let me pause a moment and say this to you. If you work with any of our children uh, in any capacity and you are not 1st aid CPR certified, our church will pay for that for you. Uh, It's not much, uh, and it's our way of saying thank you and to show our appreciation for your willingness to do that. Again, September the 21st. If you will take this and put it over in the postal area for me, Cameron. So you're going to sign up over there, folks, and see Miss Gloria Smith if you've got any questions about that. Uh, I've already talked to you about the Christmas drama, continue to bring in the things for Operation Christmas Child, uh, Sunday, September the 1st, moving on up Sunday, and we'll talk to you about that in just a second, and then Wednesday, September the 4th, Awana begins, boy, time is moving, can you believe we're talking about a Christmas drama already, uh, when I was a child and I used to hear old people talk about time moving fast, I never believed it until I became an old person, somebody say amen right there. Uh, my Uncle Connie was in last night talking to my dad, my dad's baby brother, and uh, he. I was over there sh- chatting with him a little bit, and he said, son, how are you? I said, Uncle Connie, I'm 49. I will be 50 years old uh, my next birthday, and he looked at me, and I said, that's old, ain't it? And he said, man, you are old. He's, he's, he's almost 70. Yeah, Amen." man. So, uh, uh, how many of you remember when you were kids and you thought 40-year-old people were old? When you were children, 50-year-old people had one foot in the grave. Amen. All right, two more quick things. You don't want to miss our services tonight. The Gospel Light Trio will be singing in our services. That's Brother Bobby and his family. Excited about that. Love these folks. And then we're also, I'll make sure this is all right, we're going to also have a time of prayer for Brother Bobby's brother-in-law. Most of you know this, Brother Bobby's brother-in-law, who has been here many times and sang at our church many times is battling stage four pancreatic cancer and uh, is not taking treatments. He opted, this is his second battle with that, and he opted not to take treatments and uh, is letting God and the Lord do what he wants to do. So we're just going to pray with him tonight as well, pray with his wife. You understand that uh, that battle is uh, in that hand of the Lord. So we're going to pray, and then we got some other special things this evening as well. And then I want to take just a moment and talk to everybody about something very special that I am just, to be honest with you, excited, so excited by. Something that I've wanted to do for 18 years since I started pastoring in Candidly. We've just never had the space to do it, Uh, but I'm excited by it. I've been waiting for, uh, thank you, uh, Brother and Sister Joyce, for the banners. That's what I've been waiting for to talk to you all about this Um, since our teens uh, vacated what was the teen room and have that beautiful facility upstairs. And by the way, they were packed to the gills this morning. Uh, uh, we got, we ordered new chairs for them and they didn't filled up them chairs. We'll have to order. I love these kind of problems. And I love these kind of problems. But uh, since the teens have moved upstairs, we have vacated that space now, and we're going to trans. Not we, she and those that are helping are going to transform this into a ladies' space. Something that I've wanted to do uh, for a long time, and we've just never had the space. So here's what's going to happen in the month of September. This is just a September kickoff event for our Sunday school. My class ladies and upstairs ladies will be meeting during Sunday school in there. Miss Kyla has written two lessons for you all that Renee is going to deliver. And then we've come into contact with a wonderful couple, a husband and wife couple. uh, And they write Sunday school curriculum for men and ladies. And uh, ladies, I'm jealous to be honest with you. You are going to spend just the month of September looking at what it means to be a prayer warrior. How to get prayers answered. How to pray uh, as the Spirit says, in the Spirit, what that's talking about. And then men, you all are going to, this is the part I'm excited by. We're going to meet in here. And we're going to get down and just be blunt. We're going to talk about what it means to be a Christian man in 21st century America. A Christian man. And uh, it, we need this, church. We need this. So we're going to be talking about Christian masculinity and manhood in 21st century America. Now, this is not the teens or the younger ones. These are my class and the class upstairs combining one month for September in there for the ladies and one month in September in here for the men. And men, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Uh, I'll talk about it again as we draw closer. Uh, When we meet for those four weeks, I'm going to ask us to kind of sit in the middle, in the front, and come down. Rather than being scattered all, I know we Baptists don't like to change pews. I'm not asking you to do it permanently. We'd split the church if I asked that. But just to come in the middle, down front, rather than having everybody scattered and it looking psychologically like it's empty... Come down front so we can talk together about some of these things. Again, one month for the month of September, and I think you will absolutely be blessed uh, by this uh, work. I'm going to tell you, I read the two lessons that Kyla wrote. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. You'll be blessed. All right, let's get all the little ones to make your way down, please. If you're heading to Children's Church and Junior Church, come on down. Uh, This is our penny march. I think you will be blessed by this if you will give obediently unto the Lord. Take off this morning. your way down, Sister Pettit, you come get ready to sing for us. You be obedient unto the Lord with his tithes and your offerings, and God will richly bless you for that. Thank you so much, as always. Let's pray this morning and ask God to bless our offering. Come on, fellas. Father, we love you this morning, and we're so thankful to be in your house, thankful for the opportunity that you've presented to us. Lord, I am so humbled by how you're working in our midst, and we sure don't take that for granted. Lord, we love you today, and that sure doesn't surprise us, but what's astonishing and astounding is how much you love us. Lord, I pray that you'd bless this offering. May it be what you'd have it to be in Christ's name. Amen.
1: Appreciate that song. Hymn number 203. Let's all stand together. We'll have a time of fellowship. The Windows of Heaven. We'll sing it one time through. Hymn number 203. 200-
0: amen. Thank you so much this morning. Appreciate you being here. God's blessed you already today. Say amen. Hadn't it been good to be in his house. Just before the song this morning, or just before the service preaching this morning, uh, my my tang is tangled. My tongue is tangled. My administrative assistant just came up and told me she just got engaged. Congratulations, Miss Leanne. Y'all didn't even know she's seeing anybody, but I did. Wonderful young man. Well, a wonderful man. He's not young, but uh, down in North Carolina. Uh, and, you know, being the godly, unselfish person that I am, the first thing I said is, Are you leaving me? <laughs> uh, she said, No, I'm not. I'm not. But uh, they haven't set a date yet. Uh, but he, when she told me that she was seeing somebody, I, I went through a list of 20 questions. I said, Does he love God? <laughs> Does he go to church? (laughs) Is he saved? And she's looking like, Are you my daddy? Amen. (laughs) Uh, Congratulations, Miss Leanne. We're very happy for you. Amen. Amen. Unless, of course, you're lying and you're leaving, then I'm going to be yours. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You pray for Miss Betty as she sings. You come on, Miss Betty.
3: you down
0: Thank you very much, Miss Betty. I want everybody to grab your Bibles this morning and turn with me, please, to the book of Ruth. Turn with me, please, to the book of Ruth, if you would. I had the great pleasure a week ago yesterday to share a few thoughts in Logan and Tiffany Har's wedding and shared a few thoughts from this particular book This uh, then, and the Lord's been dealing with me all week about sharing some thoughts with you this morning from this book. So the five or six of you that were there, I promise it won't be a repeat, but you can act like you ain't never heard it before, amen. I take you back, as I shared last Saturday, I take you back to August of 1988. I had just graduated from Drury Mason High School and was walking into the, my first class in Monroe Hall at the College of William and Mary. At that time, I wanted to be an English major. I only changed my major 14 times, and that's no exaggeration. But at that time, it's the reason I turned that four-year degree in the best six years of my life, amen. But at that time, I was starting out as an English major and theater. And so, my first class was uh, a professor, probably one of the most brilliant people that I ever sat under. His name was Dr. James Ledbetter. The class was comparative literature, and we were going over the syllabus on that Monday morning, and because of the nature of this course, he had the assignments grouped by topics. We would read literature about the American colonial experience, and he had some literature there. We would read literature about various other topics, and there would be literature under each topic, and then he he came to a section that he called The Great Love Story. And he had two bullets underneath each of those, and I distinctly remember him saying that we will, during the course of this class, Read the two things that are the greatest love story in English print. The first one, he said, was Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare. Of course, we had read that in high school. And then he said the second one that we will read is, in his opinion, the greatest love story in English print, Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte. I will tell you, though I had read... William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet many times, I had never read Wuthering Heights, and it was indeed pretty spectacular. In fact, when Renee and I started dating and fell really in love, I bought her a copy of Wuthering Heights, and I underlined special passages with hearts and smiley. You remember? (laughs) That's how I won her, big dog. You can puke all you want, but that's how I won her. (laughs) Amen. It was an incredible, incredible love story between Heathcliff and Kathleen. And then I answered the call to preach some two years later. And as incredible as Romeo and Juliet is, and as really inspiring as Wuthering Heights is, I think the greatest love story in print is the book of Ruth. Why? Because it is a beautiful illustration of a man falling in love with a woman and a woman falling in love with a man. And I'll pause just a minute and say that's a good thing. But it's also a beautiful picture of the love that Jesus Christ has for his church. You see, as beautiful as a story that this is, and as special as the relationship between Boaz and Ruth would become, what makes it even more beautiful is the fact that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So I want to preach to you this morning, on what I call the greatest love story ever told. The greatest love story ever told. I don't know how far we'll get. Uh, I want to read passages this morning, and we'll get as far as we get. I ask you to pray for us, and let's pray together. Father, we love you today. And Lord, I'm so thankful that you love us. Lord, we're thankful for the atmosphere that we've had in our service these last few weeks of just worshiping God. Lord, now we come to the part of the hour that is so critical, so important, so special. Surely not because I'm doing it. But Lord, because you ordained this avenue as the instrument by which you would share the word of God. So Lord, I pray that as we go into this passage today, that you would illuminate it. Show us you today. Because you said if we lift you up, you'd draw everybody to you. So we're asking you to do that this morning. In the sweet name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I will tell you selfishly that another reason <clears throat> that I love this so much was 48 hours before my mother would go home to be with the Lord, there in the hospital, Baptist, she, uh, when she decided to end treatment, started planning, telling me everything she wanted for her service, She said, Now, I want you to preach it, Greg. And I said, Mama, I'm not sure I can do that. And being my mother the way that she was, she looked at me and she said, You must have thought I was asking. (laughs) And I said, All right, I'll do my best. And then she said, Not only do I want you to preach it, I want you to preach out of the book of Ruth. And here's the verses I want you to read. What did you do? I preached out of the book of Ruth, and I read the verses that she wanted me to read. But what she shared with me, I'll try to share during the message today is a reminder that the love between a husband and wife is the most beautiful image we have between God and his church. Most beautiful image that we have. Four things that we'll look at this morning, in line with each of the four chapters. When you open up chapter number one, Ruth is a widow. When you read through chapter number one, Ruth is a widow. I'm going to go relatively quickly because I think most of you probably know a lot of these passages, but I want to highlight a few of them. When you read the first chapter, one of the things you see first is Ruth endures a tremendous amount of pain. You see, chapter number one opens with a woman by the name of Naomi and her husband, a man by the name of Elimelech. They're Jews. And they do something, quite candidly, that is very ill advised and, to be blunt, very foolish. Because of a famine in the land, they decide to leave the place of blessing. They decide through their own inspiration, through not the will of God or through the word of God, they decide that they are going to leave the land of blessing. Uh, they're going to walk away from that, that which it is that God hath given them, and they're going to dwell now uh, in a place where God does not dwell, a place where he does not exist uh, into the minds of those around them. Uh, and while they are there, there are two boys, one by the name of Malon, one by the name of Chilion, married to Moabitus women, uh, one by the name of Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah, and one by the name of Ruth, and as God would have it, Elimelech dies, Malon dies, all in chapter 1, Chilion dies, and now you have three widows who are dwelling in a land of Moab, a place where God is not dwelling with those people, and now you've got three widows who are facing the pain of the real world around them. And unfortunately, Naomi, the mother-in-law of Orpah and Ruth, delivers what is some of the worst advice in all of Scripture. She looks at her two daughters-in-law and says, you all need to go back home to your family. She says, uh, you need to walk away. I don't have any more children. I don't have anything else to give you. You need to go back home to your family. On the surface, that might seem like some smart advice until you realize the Moabites are idolatrous people. The Moabites don't know God. The Moabites uh, are people uh, who have denied God. Uh, They're a polytheistic society. They worship many gods. And in fact, the worship of their gods is pretty downright wicked. And, And Naomi, because she's out of God's will, she's walked away from the place of blessing, she's turned her back on the things of God, is not in a position to be delivering spiritual advice. I know you've heard me say it, but i got to repeat it. Don't ever take spiritual advice from those who are not walking with God. One of the worst things you can do is try to take spiritual advice about those who are disobedient to God. They're not going to give you what you need to hear. And it's amazing to me. That Naomi, having spent much of her adult life in the land of blessing, uh, now she's looking at these Moabitess girls over whom she has responsibility, and she says, walk away, go away, go back to your family, go back to your gods. Don't stay around me. Ruth's pain gives way to Ruth's pledge. You see, there's a decision that these two girls have to make. Do we listen to Naomi and go back to our family and to our false gods? Or do we not? Do we stay with Ruth or do we stay with Naomi? What do we do? Orpah, you know this probably, Orpah walks away, goes back to her family and disappears from the pages of Scripture. Ruth gives a pledge that is some, I think, the most beautiful words in the English language. She says in verse 16, I ask you all to look at it with me, chapter 1, verse 16, Ruth says, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. And I love this, thy God, my God. Where thou diest, I will die. Where there, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more. Also, if aught but death part thee and me. I'll pause just a moment, church, and say to every person in the building, One of the things that unites all believers is that we have been confronted with the great decision, do we walk with the world and after the false gods, or do we walk with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? That's really the decision she's having to make here. Am I going to turn my back and walk with my family and walk with the false gods of Moab, or I'm going to go to where the blessings of Jehovah is, and I'm going to follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? May I say to you this morning, if you've never made that decision, then today is your day of salvation. Today is the day where you can take that same pledge. For I believe this is the moment that Ruth became a brand new creature. She decided that I'm going to go with God. So chapter 1, Ruth is a widow. Chapter 2, Ruth becomes a worker. Ruth becomes a worker. I need to set the stage with you. Naomi and Ruth leave the land of Moab. They go back to Bethlehem, the place of blessing, the house of bread. But they're poor, poverty stricken, no husband, no male children. In that patriarchal society, there was no social security network, and now these women are left to lives of begging. For the sake of time, you don't have to read this, uh, but I would encourage you at some point you can look over in the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verses 9 and 10, where the Jews are told during harvest season, when it's time to bring in the crop, uh, you make sure uh, that the corners of the field are left for the beggars. You don't clean up everything. You leave the corner over here and the corner up there and the corner over there and the corner over here. Uh, You go down the middle part, but you make sure that the parts over here uh, are left for the beggars uh, who have no way of caring for themselves so that they may come and glean for themselves. So chapter 2 opens, and Mama Naomi sends Ruth out with her basket for its harvest season. It's barley grain harvest season. And Ruth's goal is to bring home, hear what I'm about to say, Ruth's goal is to every day go into the fields, pick enough barley that will be harvested so she and Naomi can survive one day at a time. She's not going to be able to gather any more than one basket full uh, because she's got to compete with everybody else. Uh, She's not the only beggar over here. Uh, The files are full. Uh, On the inside, uh, you've got the plantation, if you will. You've got the servants who are working the inner sanctum. uh, But on the outside, you've got all the beggars uh, competing for just the scraps of the field. But then I want you to notice something special happens because all of a sudden, somebody special shows up. Look, if you would, please, chapter 2. Notice, if you would, verse number 4. Chapter 2, verse number 4. Behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, and by the way, the reapers are those who are gathering in the corners, not the people in the middle, uh, but those are gathering in the corners. The poor folks, Boaz says at the end of verse 5, whose damsel is this? May I pause a moment and say, if I could paraphrase that into Stanley Town English, uh, what he is saying is, mm, she looked good. Amen. Amen. When Boaz caught a glimpse of Ruth, by the way, Ruth was not the only woman working. It was littered with people working. It was littered with people who were trying to glean these reapers. uh, And Boaz is uh, surveying, and he looks over here, and looks over here, and he looks here, and he says this is good, and he looks there, and he says this is good, and he looks here, and then he goes... does she belong to? Where did she come from? Can I pause a moment and say that he looked upon her. She she found grace in his sight. There was something about her that made her stand out, uh, and he said, I want to know more about that. I don't know about you, but that's the part of the message that just really gets me. uh, Because I stand here this morning realizing that there ain't nothing special about this preacher. I stand here this morning realizing that in of myself I am a nobody and a nothing. But thank God for the day when Boaz looked my way and said, "Who is that? Who does he belong to? There is something special there." I'd like to. Aren't you glad this morning that when you didn't want him, when you weren't looking for him, when you weren't inter- him, and when you weren't interested in him, honey? Thank God he was interested in you. And so now. If you'll notice, after he finds this interest, he says in verse number 6, the servant that was said over the reapers answered and said, it's the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray ye let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. She's working all day. The servant said. She came with Naomi. She came to gather grain. She's been working all day long. But I need to pause and tell you, this is dangerous work. Remember, Ruth's a female. And while there would be a few other females, this was predominantly a male-dominated workplace. All of the folks who were working in the middle, those who were gleaning in the fields, they weren't females. They were males. Most of the beggars uh, would have been males. Uh, Only females who had no husbands and no male children uh, would be over here gleaning. Uh, This was a dangerous place for a woman to be. You hear what I'm about to say. Without the protection of Boaz, Ruth was in a whole lot of trouble. But for reasons uh, that Boaz himself understood, he decided, I'm going to do something special for her. Jump with me, if you would, please, to verse number 9. What did he do? Let thine eyes. This is... Now, let's go back to verse 8. Then said Boaz to Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter, go not to glean in another field. (laughs) We can stop right there. You see... Usually the way this would work is when the corners were all gleaned up, the beggars would go to another field. And it would not take long for the beggars to scrape the corners pretty clean. So Boaz says to Ruth, hey, I don't want you going to to, to another field. I want you to stay right here with me. Yeah, man. Do you see what he's doing? He's flirting with her. He's telling her that he likes, y'all looking at me like you ain't ever done none of this. Y'all are so sanctimonious and spiritual. Amen. Get with me on it. He's flirting with her. He likes what he sees. He's a man. She's a woman. He likes her. They're not exchanging love letters. I love you. Do you love me? Circle yes or no. They're looking at each other and flirting with each other. He says, you stay right here where I got an eye on you. And notice verse number 9. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? Notice the next clause. And when thou art athirst, go to the vessels, and drink of them which the young men have drawn. You see, when when Boaz would hire workers for the day, that would glean in the middle parts uh, he would inevitably have water uh, that would be for his workers now those who were the reapers uh, those that he were on the sides they had to bring their own water and you understand that a long hard day of pulling crop and picking crop uh, you understand that that is hard exhausting work uh. so we said to ruth you don't have to leave you come back tomorrow and by the way when you get thirsty i got what you need you come on over to where the men are and you can, aren't you glad this morning uh, that you, you, you think back to the day uh, when you were trying to drink from the fountains of this world. Uh, you think back to the day uh, when you tried to drink uh, from the fountain of sin. Uh, but thank God for the day uh, when he showed up and said, don't drink that water anymore. I got water that will forever satisfy. He quenched her thirst. Not only did Boaz quench her thirst, uh, notice he also fed her hunger. Jump down to verse 14. Boaz said unto her, at mealtime, come thou, what's that word? Hither. Do you know what that means? Come sit inside of me. Amen. Yeah, at meal, You see, all of them over here, they had to bring their lunch with them. Boaz didn't hire the gleaners, or the reapers rather, Boaz didn't hire the beggars. They had to bring their lunch with them. But he looks at Ruth and says, when it comes time for lunch, got you seat right here. Come hither. Hither means where I am. Come sit beside of me. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, the Baptist philosophy is if you don't have something nice to say about anybody, come sit beside of me. Amen. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? So when Boaz says, "Come sit thou hither, keep reading with me, uh, verse number 14, and, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar." And she sat beside the reapers, uh, and he reached her part. He reached her parched corn, and she did eat and was sufficed. So that means, uh, as she's sitting down uh, to eat, uh, she's smiling at him and batting her eyelashes. I'm so thirsty. Oh, I'm hungry. And Boaz says, I got you. I got it. He reaches over, grabs the bread, and says, Here goes sugar. He reaches over, grabs the corn, and says, I got this for you. And she's eating and she's drinking. He's flirting with her. She's flirting with him. And when it's all said and done, Boaz sits back and says, I quenched her thirst. I fed her hunger. She couldn't. She couldn't do it by herself. She needed me. Aren't you thankful this morning that when you when you look back where you were, and you look back at the mess you made of your life, but some reason there was a Boaz in heaven that said, I want to help him. I want to help her. I'll take care of her needs. I'll satisfy him. Yeah. Quenched her thirst. Fed, I'm not going to get anywhere near through this message. Fed her hunger. Go, if you would, please, to verse 15. My favorite part. My favorite part. Verse 15. When she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. Let me pause a moment, because this is where getting good. The gleaners, the reapers, had to stay over in the corner. They can only pick on the fringes. But Ruth done been eating with Boaz. Ruth's done been drinking uh, the water that Boaz has. And so when Boaz uh, finishes feeding Ruth, and when Boaz finishes giving Ruth water, uh, and she says, I got to go to work now. And bats her eyelashes. And smiles real big. He waves by to her. And then he says, boys, come here. Let me tell you something. You keep your hands off of her. I got mine on her. You keep yours off of her. And by the way, y'all let her know she don't have to stay on the fringe anymore. You can put her right here in the good stuff. You tell her that she's welcome right here in the middle. And it doesn't stop there. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Notice what it says. Verse number 16. Let th- fall, Go back to the end of verse 15. Let her glean even among the sheaves, reproach her not, and let fall also some handfuls of purpose for her and have them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out that she had, and it was about an ephah of barley. Do you know how much an ephah is? I told you a minute ago, how much is she hoping to bring home? How much worth? One day. Basketful, one day. But when Boaz intervened, everything changed. So now uh, he looks at her. uh, He says, I like you. She says, I like you. Uh, He tells the boys, you leave her alone. You let her glean in the middle. And by the way, when she's in the middle gleaning every once in a while, if you see her behind you, drop a few handfuls of purpose drop a few little extra something something uh, so she can come along and put it in her basket can we just stop right now and say what an awesome God we serve I promise you this morning uh, if you're a part of his family uh, you don't know what it's like uh, to do without uh, he's blessed you uh, he's taken care of you uh, he's met your hunger needs uh, he satisfies your thirst uh, and because he's a good God every once in a while he drops a few little handfuls of purpose uh, just because he likes you just because he loves you he Fills up your little tater basket so you can go home and fix mashed taters. Amen. With gravy. (laughs) And buttermilk biscuits. (laughs) And sweet tea. Amen. I'll never forget the first time I went to a place and they didn't have sweet tea. I knew God wasn't in that place. Amen. Amen. I submit to you this morning. That the God that we serve loves you so much uh, that He doesn't just take care of your needs; uh, He blesses you beyond measure. Uh, he fills your little basket. Uh, he gives you some things that you don't even deserve just because He loves you. He quenched her thirst. He satisfied her hunger. He filled her basket. And by the way, an ephah means uh, that in one day, instead of having enough for tomorrow, you had enough for a week. A week. Chapter three quickly. Chapter one, Ruth's a widow. I'm going fast, I promise. Chapter two, she's a worker. Chapter three, Ruth changes. Chapter three, Ruth becomes a woman. You see, you begin to read in chapter number three, and the first two verses, Naomi sees Ruth bring his big old basket home. She said, Where you been? Where'd you get all this? She says, Mama, I, I gleaned in a field, and this man met me, and he told me I can have all I want. Really? Who's his name? Where's he from? She said, His name is Boaz. She says, Come again. What did you say? She said, His name is Boaz. And Mama says, Oh, honey, there's some things I need to tell you about. Boaz took an interest in you. You need to know that Boaz is our kinsman redeemer. Ruth ain't never heard nothing like this. She didn't grow up a Jew. Uh, He is our kinsman redeemer. Ruth says, what's that? He says, I'm going to show you what it is. You listen to mama, mama going to tell you everything. And so now mama starts telling Ruth what Ruth needs to do. Look quickly, if you would, at verse 3, chapter 3. Mama Naomi says, wash thyself therefore and anoint thee. And put thy raiment upon thee, and get down to the floor. That's the threshing floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he hath done eating and drinking quickly. Uh, She says, Ruth, uh, you done met Boaz. uh, So number one, you you, got to go let him know who you are, uh, and that you are interested in him like he's interested in you. Uh, So you're going to do three things. Number one, you're going to clean up. You're gonna wash yourself. Hey, aren't you glad this morning that when we meet, we don't get cleaned before we meet Boaz, we get cleaned after we meet Boaz. There's far too many, amen, yeah, far too many people today who think they gotta get cleaned up. Hey, amen. You can stare at me, sweetheart. I'll I'll pour sweat all over you. Hey, amen. There are far too many people today who think that you gotta get clean before you meet him. Honey, you can't get clean enough to meet him. But I'm glad that when you meet him, he does the cleaning. So she cleaned herself. Uh, Then then, then Naomi says, put some oil on. You know what that is? Perfume. She says, uh, you've been working all day. You stank. Take a bath. By the way, we can start right there and preach a little bit. Amen? Then she says, uh, you put your clothes on. Put some perfume on. By the way, in the Bible, oil is a type of what? Holy Spirit of God. Uh, Ruth is... Ruth's done met Boaz, and Boaz done showered her with grace. And mama says, get yourself clean, put some clothes on, put some smell good stuff on, and go to where he is. And Ruth says, why? Why do I need to do all that? Glad you asked. Because now you're about to understand how precious this is. And I'm going to do my best to read the verses that my mama told me to preach at her home going service. Look at verse 8. Chapter 3, verse number 8. Came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid, turned himself. Behold, a woman lay at his feet. Do you know who the man is? Boaz. Do you know who the woman is? Ruth, dinner time's over. It's harvest season, so the boys don't go home during the evening. They get up early, they stay late, they have dinner together, and they go to bed and get up and do it all again until the carp is fully brought in. And so Boaz wakes up in the middle of the night, and, and when he's been surrounded by all boys, he sees there's a lady laying at his feet. Verse number 9, he said, Who art thou? These are the verses my mama had me preach. She answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid. For thou art a near kinsman. When Ruth said... Spread your skirt over me. You're a near kinsman. What she was really saying is, would you take your bed covers? Would you unfold them? Would you lay them over my legs? Ruth is literally propositioning him. She's saying, I'm willing to be yours if you're willing to be mine. She said, I'll have you if you'll have me. Laying in the hospital bed, everybody in my family had gone home. I was staying the nights with mom. Dad would come down in the day. When mother made the decision to end her treatments, God gave us a wonderful 24 hours. We reminisced. Her mind was clearer than it had been in about a month. We just talked about how good God had been to us. Everybody left. It was just me and Mama there in the hospital. Daddy, I'm sorry. I hope you don't mind me sharing this. but Mama told me, she said, son, these last two years, God has taught me what love really is. I said, Mama, what do you mean? She said, you know, that, that romantic ooey-gooey love, when you first fall in love and you can't bear to not being each other's presence. You just got to be with them. And I stopped and I said, oh, yeah, Mama, you mean like when you were engaged to somebody else and you went out on a date with Daddy? (laughs) And she said, yes, that kind of love. She said, that's wonderful. But what's really wonderful Is when you can't take care of yourself. And you got to depend on that person to do it for you. She said, for the last, mom had been sick a long time, but really sick about two years. She said, for the last two years, I've not done anything. I couldn't bathe myself, couldn't do the laundry, couldn't cook. Lord knows I couldn't work. She looked at me, she said, your daddy did everything for me. And she looked at me and she said, It was like he <coughs> it was like he spread his bed skirt over me and said, I got you. I'll take care of you. She looked at me and she said, That's what love is. <coughs> I stopped and I said, Lord, thank you for mom and daddy. Then I also said, Thank you, God. That when we can't take care of ourselves, you are always there. Turn quickly to chapter 4. I'm done, I promise. Chapter 1, she's a widow. Chapter 2, she's a worker. Chapter 3, she's a woman. Chapter 4, she's a wife. When you open chapter 4, you quickly find that although Boaz was a near kinsman, there was an even nearer kinsman. What that means in Bible language is that Boaz was close uh, kin to Naomi and to Ruth, but there was somebody who was even closer, an unnamed fellow. So that meant that Boaz had to redeem Ruth for himself. He had to purchase her. And as it turns out, despite the fact she was a beggar, despite the fact she was a Moabitess, she wasn't cheap. It cost Boaz a lot of money. And Boaz had so much fallen in love with her that he says, whatever the price, I'll pay it. I don't care how much it costs. I'll give up everything for her. What an amazing God we serve. Because Scripture says that you've been bought with a price you're not your own. And by the way, First Peter says that you're bought not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who barely was for before the foundations of this world. Silver and gold couldn't buy you. The world might not think you're worth anything. The world might think you're a bunch of trash. But for God, he loved you so much that he gave himself. He gave his best so that he might redeem you. And then I'm done. Fast forward. Ruth has a baby. Look at chapter 4. Uh, the last few verses. Notice what scripture says. Verse 18. These are the generations of Pharaoh. Pharaoh begat Hezra, and Hezra begat Ram. And Ram begat Amminadab. And Amminadab begat Nation. And Nation begat Salmon. And Salmon begat Boaz. And Boaz begat Obed means Ruth and Boaz have a baby boy. They name him Obed. Precious. Obed has a baby boy. And according to verse 22, they name him what? Jesse. And Jesse has a whole slew of youngins. The last one of whom is named. And do you know who David is? He's the lineage, the ancestor of the king. So when Boaz, the wealthiest man there was, a purchased Ruth, he did not just make her his. God says, I'm going to put her in the bloodline. I'm going to graft her into the, let's be honest, she's got no business there. She's a Jew, not a Jew. She's a Moabite. She's a idolatrous. But she met somebody who washed her, who bathed her, who cleaned her up, and said, I'm going to put you in the bloodline of the king. You know what I see this morning? I look around, and I see a bunch of Ruths. We're nobody. We're nothing. But thank God there's a Boaz who says, I want them. Let's stand to our feet this morning. (coughs) Thank you for your attention, for your time. If you're here today, I'm going to ask you quickly. I know I went a little long. Bow your heads. Close your eyes quickly. I'm not going to have a long invitation. So you're going to have to move if the Lord's speaking to you. You need to move. God has spoken to you this morning. Maybe you're a husband and wife. Maybe you're here today and you want to just grab your bride and come on down to this altar and pray. Maybe you're here today and there's something you as a person, whether you're married, single or whatever, you're dealing with and you want to bring it to this altar this morning. But I'm going to ask one thing. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If there's anybody here that would be honest and say, Preacher, I've never met the Boaz you talk of. Something happened to me today. I don't know that heaven would be my home. Pray for me. Anyone like that? Preacher, pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Brother Ken, we're going to sing one verse. If you need to come, I want you to step out right now. Come on, right now. If you want to come, you come right now. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Brother Ken, pray for us tonight. You don't want to miss services. You'll be blessed by the gospel light Trio. And then I'm going to meet right over here on my right, piano side. Everybody who thinks you may want to go this Saturday, I'll answer your questions to the uh, CT Youth Rally. Brother Ken, pray for us if you would, pal. Heavenly Father, God, we are thankful Lord for this message today. Father, we thank you, God, for salvation.
1: God, we're worthless. Undeserving. Don't even belong in the bloodline. God, you loved us and you gave all you had, gave your very best for our worst. God, we sure do love you today. Father, thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.